The following program comes to you from the M&L Studios. Welcome in to Take Two <laughs> of the Market Lender Podcast. Good to have you. Today, we give you... Where'd it go? Oh, sorry. Got my sheet. Uh, today, we give you comments with Skeeter. Yep. On this day in history, what year is it? And a cool stories in music where we're going to look at a guy whose name you've never heard, but his music, his influence is universal. A couple of best moments. We are moving up on December 1st, our final show. So we'll look back at a couple of giggles. Holiday air travel advice from an expert. Are you sick and tired of Thanksgiving food? We're making a couple of adjustments here ourselves. Yeah. You can find out exactly what your pet is thinking. Chuck E. Cheese is making changes. We'll talk it through. To me, they're late on those changes. Oh, but they're going to be great. Are we near the end of Kiss or not? (laughs) And what is odd about that can of cranberry sauce you're seeing? And this year's top 10 dog names. Um, much to be done, as I said, December 1st is our final Mark and Linda podcast. Um, it makes sense. It's time for us. Our life has changed. We go and spend quite a bit of time in California, and it makes it difficult. Well, it makes it impossible for us to do this on a weekly basis, and that's what this show is supposed to be. Plus, we've been doing it for 11 years, and that's kind of good. I mean, we started our podcast before... Everyone had a podcast. You know what I mean? Like now, everybody has a podcast. Well, and when we started, the only other person that we knew of that had a podcast was Gina's person, Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla. Right. Um, he was one of the very first. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know how to get a podcast. And it's just, we've been doing this a long time. Do you remember all the sponsors that we had? I mean, I hated we that. were the first to have those. The things that will, you know, get your meals and send them to you, and all you have to do is cook them. And then, what was the name of that hair removal thing? The no no or the uh oh or what was it called? And it, it was just. I'm, it, well, I, I I stopped. That's the reason I stopped. Is these uh, these companies that give you commercials to do? They take fifty percent, and we do all the work. And then I had to start taking Zoom las- uh, lessons, uh, classes, not classes, but, you know, Zoom sessions with them where they tell me what I'm going to do. I just got fed up with it. And uh, may I, I may have been in a place, but I just, it really got to the point where this is not worth it. So I just stopped doing it. And that's another reason we're, we're moving this aside. This is a very expensive show to do. And we're going to be able to cut a lot of different things that we have to pay for to do this. And that's going to be helpful to us. So December 5th will be the no, final. December 1st. First. <laughs> December 5th is a day we're flying. December 1st is the final show. So be here for it. 
All right, uh, quite a few things. First of all, the biggest, the single biggest thing that's happening that we can talk about currently, and you'll thank us for this because this is going to be a happening. It's NFL weekend, <laughs> uh, none bigger than Monday night. Uh, Monday night is going to be a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, the two best teams in the NFL right now. Oh, I don't care about that. I know you don't. I don't care. All I care about is that Taylor Swift and her parents are going to be there. That was what I was going to tell you next. Oh, I thought you were literally going to talk about the game. I'm sorry. It it has become quite the thing because Taylor Swift is going to be at the game to watch her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, play. Uh and Taylor's parents, mother and father, are coming with her, which makes you think that Travis and Jason's mother will be there. Maybe father. I'm guessing the father as well. So you're going to see more Taylor Swift than you do the game. Um, I don't know about that because they, they, they tried up. They started to hold back on it the last time she was there. Yeah, it was a joke. Oh, oh. But that's the happening. That is the event that's making this the big thing that it is. And trust me, Taylor Swift, whenever she goes to a, the, uh, to a game, it's great for the NFL. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs put it on their website. The NFL puts it on their website. I mean, it's just, it's good for everybody. This whole thing is just fantastic to follow. And I'm letting you know. So that if you like you, maybe you didn't know. And if, if, if now that you do, if you want to see it, because it's going to be everywhere. This is the event of the week and could be the year. Taylor Swift and her <laughs> parents now, her parents coming kind of solidifies this dating thing that she's doing with Travis. What if that's just a rumor? And cause she rumor. is on tour it's not overseas. A, so it, there it's everywhere. She will be there. With well, her, they would already be denying it. Okay. Well, it's very exciting, and I feel like we're all in for heartbreak, especially Jason. Well, these things look when two super not high, Jason. Jason's the brother, Travis. When two super high-profile personalities try to date, it just kind of doesn't go well. Uh, it is for a for a time, but inevitably, it just kind of goes by the wayside. Because it's think of it, it's they can't go anywhere. Like I hear when Taylor takes uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife out and they're going to go out and dance and party and drink. and I wonder how they do it. These are massive, massive names. Security. You're talking a hundred security just to make sure that nobody bothers them. But, of course, Taylor, she likes to be bothered. It would be a nightmare. I don't know. I don't know how they do it and how they can even have fun doing it. Well, she seems like she's very approachable and she's very nice. You know, Taylor? I've never heard anybody say one bad thing about her. Taylor? Yeah. Oh, no. When they encountered her. Taylor Swift is a lifesaver. When she does a show at a town, the town experiences an explosion of income. Hotels, restaurants, security people, limos. Taylor's in town and will fix your financial issues. And then she's become very conscious She's, there's kind of a new thing in her life. The documentary that we saw would tell you. Oh, but uh, that documentary is old. That was from like 2017. Even then, she was becoming aware politically and starting to put her name out there and saying, in, I, I endorse this, I and do that. And just go vote. Yeah. That's all. She didn't yeah. tell you who to vote for. She just said, 
go out there and let your voice be heard. Uh, but wait, before we move on from the football talk, Ella Moose in the chat wants to know your feelings on Brock Purdy. Um, it was better last week. It was better. Uh, look, Brock Purdy was launched into an impossible scenario where he was uh, Mr. Irrelevant, meaning he was the very last person taken in the in the draft. I don't think he ever expected to play. And all of a sudden, he is thrown into the San Francisco 49ers starting lineup as quarterback. And at the beginning, he was very solid. He didn't try to do anything special, but San Francisco was winning. Keep in mind, Brock Purdy was a good quarterback on a great team. Then this year, he's looked horrible. Oh, I thought he started out really good. Uh, he started out okay, but oh. then it fell apart. Two pick sixes in one game. He was better last week. So I think that maybe he's beginning to mature and grow and not do those things that got him in trouble. I'm pleased with him so far. I cheer for the guy. I mean, I, I do. San Francisco can lose a game, but if Brock had a good game, I feel okay about it. So I, I, I like San Francisco. They are going to have to write that ship, and it all depends on Brock Purdy and what he does or doesn't do. Um, we had a unique situation here at the house the, the Monday here. That's trash day. And the, the trash, oh, truck, shit. Uh, yeah. trash truck came and collected our trash. Linda was going out to do something. Grocery shopping. And uh, she drove by, and she saw the, the trash truck stopped, and the guy was frantically pulling trash out of the truck, dumping it on the street because somehow one of the trash bags was on fire. And he was he was pulling it out. He had his fire extinguisher. I mean, it was a mess. Well, I don't have to tell you. If, had it not been for him, and this was sharp on his part, if that trash had remained in the back and caught all the other trash on fire, this is a truck with diesel fuel. And once the fire hit that fuel, that truck would have exploded and who knows, could have destroyed homes. So somebody put like put a hot ashtray, emptied out a hot ashtray or cleaned out their fireplace. Well, it was a, a bit of a nightmare for the whole day. They had to section off that that part of the road. Cops, security, people directing traffic because they had to put out the fire and then get the trash up off the street. It was a thing. And that was the same day that our internet and our cable went out all day long and I thought I was going to die. You know, it's uh, kind of funny. It reminded me years ago our power went out and it was all day. And we didn't know what to do. And eventually everybody just started going outside because your house is silent. There's no TV, there's no radio, there's no lights, there's nothing. And we wound up having a football game with a, a across the street neighbors. Oh, you're talking about a long time ago when the kids were little. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's what happened here. The internet was out. The cable was out. Linda and I didn't know what the fuck to do. Can't, get, can't do anything. We have no internet. And it was all day. They had uh, trucks digging holes and trenches. I don't know what happened. But and it didn't come back on until like 730. Yeah, it was all day. Absolutely all day. So it, uh, don't worry. You're not the only one that freaks out when you lose internet or power or shit like that. You just, you don't even realize how much we depend on it until we don't have it. Yeah. Um, then uh, there's the, uh, the TSA thing. You know, we travel a lot and Linda looked it up as to how we become members of TSA. 
And basically, it, you, you have to go through a process. It's not a big deal. They just have to make sure you who you say you are yeah. and you're not a threat. Yeah. And so now then they do email us and they send us our number, our TSA number. I have one. Linda has one. So I was told the thing says go on your file on the airline that you fly and enter your TSA. They call it the KTN number. Something, yeah. Known traveling number. Yeah. People, it can't be done. It just, I, I, I. Hang on, hang on. You just can't do it. Okay, fine. I, two days, two days of diligent attention that I spent. And, and the thing that they were saying would be, because I had to go into my personal file on uh, the airline that we fly. And the thing they're saying is going to be there is not there. Day in, day out, it's not there. So finally, I call Matt. I say, I need you to call me. Uh, and he says, what's the problem? I told him, he goes, you need to talk to Eleni. So Eleni takes over my computer, and she goes, she does everything I did. She fi- signed in. She went to my personal file, and there it is. <laughs> There's what we need. It's, I've been looking for that for two days, and there it is. <laughs> And then she said, what is your, what is your KTN number? I give it to her, which is on a piece of paper from TSA. She goes, that's not your number. Yes, it is. She goes, no, it's still support with numbers. That that's my number. She put it in and it worked. Don't tell me that's not my fucking number. Look at it, the goddamn TSA. And it took her 10 minutes and you three days. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Here, here's what I say to you. It got done. Yeah, it did. So. So, but now, so then I have an existing flight, Linda and I, and I tried to get it on that. And you can't, you can, but I can't. And Lenny said, (laughs) it's in your file now. So when you check in for the flight, it'll automatically put it on your thing. Well, fingers crossed. I'm not looking for that to really actually happen. If it doesn't, I'm going to make a phone call to Lenny. Uh, by the way, you know, the Amish furniture that I ordered, the chairs. God damn it. Things. God damn it. So Keith, uh, my buddy Keith, who's, the, it was his house that I saw these chairs and had to have them. Uh, Keith goes up to the Amish community a lot. He gets his horses shod there. And every Wait, time. Wait, what is a shod? They take off the horseshoe. They lift up the horse's hoof. They take off the horseshoe and they clean it. Uh, they clean their, uh, okay. their hoof, cut it, sand it and then put a new shoe on. Okay. So while they're doing the horses, Keith drives up to the Amish farm that's making my chairs, and, and this is typical Keith. Yeah, I, I just want to check on those chairs we ordered. You know, we're waiting on them. If they show up early, let us know, because we could get them. Are they ready? Just, just giving them, you know, letting them know, I'm here. I haven't let, because according to Keith, now this is funny, and you don't, you don't think of this, because these are the Amish. Uh, when, you're, when your chairs are ready, they write you a handwritten letter and they mail it to you. And it says, your chairs are ready. You have four weeks to come get them. If we haven't heard from you, we will assume you no longer want them and we will sell them to someone else. They don't email, they don't call, they don't text. Right. They're Amish. Right. So I just thought that's funny. They're actually sending letters to let you know. But he's on it. Should Great. Be, should be here any day. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Great. Yeah. I can't Just wait. can't wait. By the way, uh, before we get on to business, 
uh, Barbara Streisand's book. I, I did a TikTok. Her book is a thousand pages long. Jesus. My my memoir is two eighty eight. Hers is a thousand pages, and I looked it up to make sure that I was correct. It's nine hundred ninety two, eight pages short of a thousand. I'm sorry, in my world, that's a thousand. Her audio book, my audio book is ten hours. Hers is forty eight hours. However, I'll say this: I did read, and this will be if you're a Barbara Streisand fan, which by the way I am. Her audiobook has clips. Oh, yeah. Great. Songs, her singing. Great. I would enjoy that. Yeah. 48 hours? I don't know. Well, I mean, look at it this way. What if you were going on a road trip? There you go. As long as the road trip is six months long. Or you... it, it could have been, it could be a four-day trip. I don't know. Um, by the way, if you'll notice that Walker just walked in wearing his smashing bow tie. Okay, this uh, uh, a listener, Philip, reached out, and uh, Linda's going to give you the details. Well, I'm, uh, Philip got in touch with me, and he said that his wife and her friend have a new company to where you can go and buy bow ties and bandanas for dogs and cats, and a portion of every sale goes to local animal rescues. So then he asked me, I would like to send you some. So I said, okay. And, of course, he said, what size neck is Walker? And I'm like, I don't know, but I do know he wears a small collar. So they sent him, and they sent us two bandanas and two bows, and they are fucking adorable. They are so well made. Um, I can tell you that Linda and Amy uh, have always been lifelong dressers of the dogs. They love to put shit on them. So I come... (laughs) I come walking in the kitchen. The package from Philip and his wife had arrived. It hadn't been in the house for three minutes. Linda had that bow tie on Walker's collar. And I could tell that at the beginning it bothered him. But my God, how cute he was. Oh, he didn't bother him at all. He's wearing his bow tie right now. Yeah, and they're so easy. They have these little snaps that you can just put it over the collar instead of, you know, that elastic stuff. It's just great. Well, do keep in mind a portion of the proceeds goes to charity and it helps out. And uh, and these are well made. Yeah, and just so you know, um, the name of the co- well, the the name of the website is it may be love, but maybe is spelled M A E B Y because that was the name of their late dog late rescue. Maybe okay. it may be love dot com. And we're going to put it on the website, a picture of Walker, and he's wearing his Deck the Halls bow tie. He is Christmas version. Um, And we'll try to get that up on the website with a link, uh, because that maybe spell is going to derail him a little bit. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I I get the point. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, and we endorse highly made, quality made items. Get them today. And now. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again. Nothing up my sleeve. Crystal! Ooh, don't know my own strength. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. And now with the latest comments here, Skeeter. Um, first off, I just want you to know that we appreciate all of the comments that y'all are sending. They're very nice about the show ending and everything. And I can't read all of them. But, you know, we do read them and we do appreciate it. Robert from Cleveland says, Hi, Mark. Thanks for everything. I'm glad you made a movie in Cleveland because I would have never met you and Linda. Just know if you're speaking into a microphone, I'll be listening. Man, that time, that trip to 
Cleveland. It was so beautiful. I will never, ever forget that. Did we meet that guy in Cleveland? Yeah. Didn't for your movie screening? Oh, at the screening. Oh, I thought we met him in Cleveland. Uh, We went up in October. In fact, Matt and uh, Linda came down and we went to uh, uh, a cemetery on Halloween day. Halloween. Yeah. It was, and this is a three to four hundred year old cemetery. I got to tell you, we had been to Cleveland before and stayed downtown, hated it. This movie was shot on the outskirts. It was absolutely gorgeous. I had the best time. But remember, we flew back because there was a showing of the movie there. And that's where. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. That's where we met Robert. I forgot we went back. Yeah. Remember we ate at that restaurant? I do, yes. It was hot and crowded and. I do. Yeah, it was a good time, though. Um, Kelly says, as I drive to work today listening to the November 10th show, I find myself with tears in my eyes as you talk about the end of your podcast. Made me remember listening to the last Mark and Brian show while my freshman daughter was having cheer squad photos taken. (laughs) With tears streaming down my eyes listening to the show, she comes up to me and says, Mom, the girls are asking if you're crying because I made the squad. She answered them, nope, it's Mark and Brian's last day on the radio. Sorry to be honest. <laughs> um, Andy, I like this comment. Andy in Santa and Barbara says, just thanks, Mark, Linda, Brian, KLOS, the sound, best radio in my life. Mm. Nice words. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. I agree. Yeah. And Debbie G says, OMG, get over it, John. I don't always agree with the mass, but everyone has their right to their opinion. I'm kind of in the middle. Hang in there, Mark and Linda, but I respect your decisions. Look, my thing is, uh, as far as COVID or anything else, I'll do anything I'm told that will help, not anything, but uh, to help me not get it. Oh, I don't ever want that again. So wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine. I don't fucking care what you do. Okay, Don't I'm, judge me for doing it. Yeah. I'm telling you right now that vac- all those vaccines we got mm-hmm. helped us not to go to the hospital. Okay. I, I, I don't, I'm not arguing. And as soon as we can get the, the new one, we're getting that one. I'm already in line. Yeah. Um, HSC says, hey, m I'm already missing you. Or not missing you at all. Anyway, Mark, (laughs) I bet you remember when we met, although you won't remember me. I was a chef for a while, and I fed you and Brian when you were concerned onlookers on Cheers. You have mentioned that event a few times in the past, so I hope you still remember it now, old man. No, I don't. (laughs) I mean, I remember, I I do remember Kirstie Alley threw a fit, a, a little diva fit there during the afternoon, you know, after you rehearse. Uh... I don't remember the food. I'm sure it was good. I do remember that the staff, the, the, the key people, they ate lobster. I had whatever mush you were digging out. Oh, there was two different uh, oh, for craft the stu- services? Oh, of course. Oh, oh is, no, is, that, is that how it always is? Well, this was a massive hit. This was number one. So the stars, they get what they want. No, I'm just a fledgling. Mm. I, I, I ate that garbage. What's his name was throwing out there? <laughs> what is his been, name? Uh, uh, I don't know. HSC. Oh. A- a- I don't know. Um, Kevin says, hi, a few weeks back when you had COVID, you mentioned that Skylord gave you a recipe that really helped. Is there any way to share that? My wife, son, and I all have COVID now. Mm. Okay, you guys, I'm only going to tell you this 50 more times. That's a quote from um, 
Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Here it is, and I'm not going to do it again. Vitamin D, two gummies. Vitamin C, two pills. Zinc, one pill. Bear baby aspirin, one pill. Right. Now, that's that was for Mark, and, you know, he's a, a man, and so it may be different for women. I don't know. All right. I took a picture of the recipe that was given to me by Skylord's wife, a photograph of the exact milligrams that you have to take of the individual, and we can try to get that up on the website so you can see, because there's certain, there's milligrams that you have to make sure you follow. So we'll try to get that up. Yeah. Grant says, as a Scotsman who lived in L.A. through 87 and 94, now back in Scotland, I just... Loved M&B. Still have my listener number 10 baseball shirt. Having only happened across Mark and Linda a couple of years ago, it's been great listening to you both and the family. I really enjoyed your book. As like you, Mark, not a big book guy. I took it on holiday. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this island. Island in the Indian Ocean with me and finished it in three weeks. I'm thinking, good Lord. Three weeks is a long time to read a book. Well, it depends on how you read. Mm, uh, well, I mean, and he was on holiday. Mm. Okay. Um, really good for me. Oh, it was good for him to read it in three weeks. Well, good job, Grant. <laughs> Just wanted to let you know how good it was and the memories it stirred. All the best to you both for the future. Look at you being an international star. You know, the thing with reading is that um, for me, and I don't read a ton, novels, I don't. Uh, when I run across one area that I don't really like, I'll put the book down and I won't pick it back up again. Uh, like my friend, Gary Bryan, who I'm doing the documentary with, he read the Gino Vanelli story where I shit in my pants at the Beverly. He hadn't picked it back up as <laughs> <laughs> far as he got. <laughs> he said, that was it. Couldn't go any further. <laughs> All right, Guy says, and this, this is one of my favorite for this week. Fuck the radio documentary. We need a documentary about replacing the tiny sink. <laughs> uh. Mark, when you retired from MMB, I wondered what you were going to do since you had no talent. Were you going to write a cookbook like Reba? <laughs> Turns out I was half right since you did write a book. You must have some talent after all, as it was so good, I won't ask you for my money back. Thank you both for the years of making us feel like your family. I will never forget that call, and I'll love it forever. She bought the audio book. She listened to it. She didn't like it, and she wants her money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Johnson says, Mark Linden listeners, thank you all for the good times. We travel to and from Arizona listening to you. I listened when I was alone because you made me think outside the box. We will miss you. Don't have grandkids yet, but we will be as giddy as you when they do come. We've lost many dogs throughout the years and totally associate the love you have given to all your animals mm. as well as shelter pets. We are blessed to have had you in our lives. That's very nice. I mean, we got a, we get, we're getting a lot of comments like that. Well, I, I'll share. These are words that I spoke, I said, but I saw somebody say it the other day a lot more eloquently. He said, the greatest pain I've ever felt was having to put my animals down. And one, one person had asked me, why would you put yourself through that pain knowing that it's going to end in that way? 
And he said, and I concur 100%, I am well aware that that pain is coming and I will have to face it. And I will do it time and time again because if I didn't, I wouldn't get all of those wonderful moments of joy and happiness and fulfillment from that animal. So I will face that pain every fucking day. Yeah, well, I mean, after Red, I was done. I was done. I'm like, I, I can't keep breaking my heart like this. That was hard. And now I'm so happy that we have Walker. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, what would we do without Walker? I, you know? Well, I just don't think it's possible. So yeah. that sums it up. You are going to go through that pain, and it's worth it to me and to you or whoever it is that makes that decision. Yeah. Um, and then we get comments like this. Steeler Tom says, God bless you too, your kids and grandkids. Thank you for all the years. Fuck you, Mark, and big hugs. <laughs> What's with the negativity, man? <laughs> eat balls, eat dicks, fuck you, fuck me. Ah, and let's not forget... <laughs> I was the one that spilled beer in Steeler Tom's Steeler room. You sure did. That was funny. Uh, I, that was embarrassing. Yeah, well, you're drunk. I, Embarrassingly I, plowed. I really wasn't drunk. You were drunk as shit. No. And why would I, why, what was I doing drinking beer? I don't like beer. It's all they had. Oh, okay. Um, Ronald Scott says, Mark, I love the idea of a radio documentary. I bet you could do one on Los Angeles radio alone with all the iconic voices and legends that have been on our airways. Uh, we could. There's no question. Uh, but we're going to cover the history of radio uh, and the great personalities that, quite frankly, made radio what it was. And that's the story we're going to tell. Um. Becky says, I'm writing for a relationship. I'm writing for relationship advice since I soon won't be able to. In 1994, I was 18. I started a three-way relationship with these two guys. Wow. I know, crazy, but they made me laugh every day. They introduced me to family and friends. It was a wonderful relationship. In 2012, they broke up with me. I was crushed. I cried. They cried. They moved on. In 2012, one of them came back with a new proposition, a female third. After a very short introductory period, I was all in. It was even better than before. Then in 2015, he forced yet another separation. He didn't leave, but he took her away from me. He brought in others, and it was good, don't get me wrong, but I missed her. In 2016, he toyed with my emotions yet again, but he brought her back, so I was happy once again. In 2023, he is crushing me again. Fool me once, shame on me, fool me, oh, who am I kidding? I'll be waiting with open arms for any breadcrumb he throws my way. I'll miss you both. Thanks for all the years. I thought she wanted advice. No. Uh, this was great. What's your name? Becky. Because uh, hey, it's all about me, motherfucker. Hey, Becky. Uh, uh, it's really not. It's all about you. What? The comment. Is it not real? Mark, you don't, you don't understand this comment? I'm, I missed. I thought I was okay. buying every word. And in 1994, she started listening to Mark and Brian. Okay. They, right. they, they introduced her to family and friends. God damn it. Then they broke her heart God. when one of them left. Jesus. And then the, then the other one came in and he brought a female 
and that female was me. And then God in 2016, it. took it away, then right. brought it back again, and now 23, right. 2023, you're killing her again. All right, look, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Every guy that was listening to Linda read that, we firmly, I thought you were a whore, slut, <laughs> skank. You, I mean, I, I bought every bit of it. And then I find out it, it's this. <laughs> How disappointing. I wanted to know that you were fucking two guys and then fucking a guy and a girl. And, oh, I was there. I was with you. Shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're a dumbass. I'm not. I'm not the only one. Guaranteed. Everybody's, every guy is going, what? Oh, I thought she was fucking two dicks. I, I, come on. <laughs> What's, what the hell's going on? Well, um, the, funny, Becky. And, and I will say, I'm not. I'm not leaving you. I told you last week and the week before, M&L Studios will always have a connection with with me uh, and you. I am already beginning to work on the next podcast. It's going to be an interview show. I've always liked interviewing people because I'm genuinely interested in what they say. So that, but the beauty of that show is I do it whenever I've got a guest. I'm not I'm not consigned to making sure I do it every single week. And the show will be called What You Do. So I'm working on that. It will happen. I'll keep you posted. But since we're not going to be on the podcast after the first, um, you can get any and all information from MNL Studios. That's the hub where you can hear what I'm thinking about, what Linda's thinking about. That's where it'll be on that website. So don't forget that. All right. With that in mind, let's go and do a little bit of this horseshit, shall we? History. 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 That happened and we all let it happen. It was this day, 1982. What were you doing? Billy Idol released the song White Wedding. Uh, Billy has claimed over the years that he wrote White Wedding to show his displeasure with his sister's fiance. Uh, but some fans believe that the little sister in the song was Idol's ex-girlfriend, that he was upset she was with somebody else. Idol once told us about the general idea that he was driving at with the song. Obviously, the song was knocking conventions. I wanted to sing about just how dogma and conventions destroy you and stuff. Um, I was able to build up this picture of just how harsh the world can be over something quite sort of natural, really. <laughs> Nice day for a white wedding. 
It was on this day back in 1976. Rod Stewart began an eight-week run at number one with this hunk of shit. Tonight, I, you know, out of all the great Rod Stewart, this this is eight weeks at number one. I like it. <sighs> Stay away from my window. Stay away from my back door disconnect the telephone line relax baby and draw that blind it was on this day in what year german butcher johann lerner introduced the frankfurter the hot dog ah what year mm. 1923 oh really close 1805 shit and this day, 1789, Benjamin Franklin wrote, There's nothing in the world that can be certain except death and taxes. What were you doing in 1970? Santana was busy releasing what would be, at the time, their biggest hit, Black Magic Woman. Happy birthday. Beverly D'Angelo is 72. All I know is I'm trying to treat my family to a little fun. Oh, Bear me, Clark. I know your brand of family fun. Tomorrow you'll probably kill the desk clerk, hold up at McDonald's, and drive us a thousand miles out of the way to see the world's largest ball of mud. This day, what year, the touch-tone phone was introduced? Ooh, 1956. Ooh, close. 1963. Mm. This day, 1966, Jefferson Airplane gave us this. When the truth is found to be It was on this day where two significant things happened in 2006 that should have given us an idea that all was not right in their world. Same day, these two incidents took place. Whitney Houston lost her homes in Atlanta and New Jersey to foreclosure. 
And on that same day, 2006, Michael Jackson was booed off stage at the World Music Awards in London after he sang just a couple of lines of We Are The World rather than the full performance of Thriller that he promised. Did he think they wouldn't notice? Mm-hmm. We should have known then. Something ain't right here. Your eyes may look like his. This day, 1977, Leonard Skinner gave us What's Your Name? I love this. It was on this day, 1960, actor Clark Gable dies of a heart attack at the age of 59. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And this one I didn't know. It was on this day, 2004, one-time cheer star Shelley Long takes an overdose of painkiller. The tabloids called it a suicide attempt, pointing to the breakup of her 22-year marriage to Bryce Tyson. Long's manager says it was an accident. She spent a week in the hospital. I didn't know that. And it was this day, 1926, the National Broadcasting Company, or NBC, debuts with a radio network of 24 stations. It was on this day, 1972, David Bowie gave us Ziggy Stardust. Here, late guitarist uh, Mick Ronson talks about the song Ziggy kicked off not just a concept album, but a new band sound for David Bowie. Ziggy Stardust started off in Haddon Hall, where we used to all live. David came up with that song right there in the front room, and they started to get this whole idea of a concept for an album together. And it kind of turned out to be somewhat of an electric album because we just got some new people in the band and it was a pretty raw band. I brought a couple of people down from a band that I was playing with back in Hall called Rats. We started making things much more electric. Uh, David Bowie is uh, one of those kind of artists that, speaking for myself, I've always enjoyed him, but I never really listened to any of the albums. And one of these days, I guess I should hurry, uh, I'm going to dig back and listen to a lot of that Bowie that I've never heard. And everybody always tells me, Bowie fans, when I say, hey, uh, where should I start? And they all say, 
Start with Ziggy Stardust. Hey, here's an idea. When you go to paint, have her put on that album. <sighs> that would distract. I have to oh. really concentrate. So where was All right. Let's get into it. We have three. What'd you do last week? I think I went two for three. I don't remember. In my mind, every week I go two for three. All right, here we go. Let's hope for I think I think you I think you have a shot at one. Okay. Song said year. I don't even know who that is. Is that Metallica? It is. Okay. Uh, but the movie may help you. He's come back to seek his revenge. I hate Peter Pan. Only you can save your children. Let's fly! Where are we going? To Never Never Land. Yeah, no. Headlines. Red Army armored personnel carriers on the streets of Moscow this morning, heading to the Kremlin. They first moved in at 4 a.m., the first sign of the coup d'etat that removed Mikhail Gorbachev from power. Okay, I have no idea. Metallica, I know, was in the uh, uh, 90s. So I'll just say... Nineteen ninety-one. Mm, not a bad guess. It is nineteen ninety. One. Oh shit! Look at me knowing my metallic. Yeah, check you out. Yes. I don't guess there's a chance that was a lucky guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, song said year. Movie. Spaceballs. Either the 4th of July or someone's trying to kill us. Only one man and his trusted companion can save planet Druidia from disaster. And may the Schwartz be with you. Headlines. At least one member of the CIA helping a Colonel North in what appears to be illegal activity dealing with the Contras. I think Mr. Gates should be asked, did he know that the CIA was involved in illegally helping Colonel North? With you two, I always say 1987. Okay, why well, didn't even belabor the point? All right, it is 1987. Yeah. Look at me, I'm two for two. Well done. All right. You are. Two for two. Song said year. I'm so I'm so I'm so she's so I'm so I'd like to change the words on that. I hate this fucking song. I hate this fucking song. I I hate that song. Movie. Sissy Spacek in her Oscar winning role. In a cabin. A healing butcher holler. <laughs> I <laughs> butcher where you live, butcher, butcher holler. holler. Holy crap! Uh, headlines 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to show. Five 
I don't fucking know. Two for two. Yeah, and that's how it's probably going to go. You've guessed- I don't know if it's the 70s or the 80s. or if- It could be the fucking 60s. So I'm going to say shh, 1978. Mm, so close. It is 19... 19- All right, uh, to make sure that I get this in, because I spent way too much time getting it ready, I'm going to do this now. The guy's name is Norman Whitfield. You don't know the name. You clearly know his work. Today, we're going to find out exactly what it was that he did musically. Who was he? What was his contribution? Why is it that Linda owes more than just gratitude to Norman Jesse Whitfield? Norman Jesse Whitfield uh, was an American songwriter and producer. He worked with Barry Gordy at Motown. He was there during the 1960s when Motown was at its power. He has been credited as the creator of the Motown sound and of the subgenre that meant so much to him, psychedelic soul. And the question is, what is psychedelic soul? So I looked it up because I actually didn't know. I knew I'd heard it, but what is it? Psychedelic soul, according to... Norman is a music genre that emerged in the late sixties and saw black soul musicians embrace certain elephant elements such as pedal phasers and drug influences. It came to prominence in the late sixties and continued into the seventies playing a massive role in the development of funk funkadelics. Yeah. And disco. Yeah. Pioneering acts that worked in that genre included Sly and the Family Stone, Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix, Isaac Hayes, Temptations, George Clinton's Parliament, and Funkadelic. Yes. So Norman Jesse Whitfield, while he was with Motown, he gave us such songs as Ain't Too Proud to Beg. He wrote, produced, and arranged these songs. Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I heard it through a grapevine. I can't get next to you, babe. War, ball of confusion, just my imagination running away with me. Dang. He is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. But today, we're going to focus on one song. A song that he wrote. A song that he arranged. And it is considered one of the greatest masterpieces of music ever produced. The Temptations recorded Papa Was a Rolling Stone. It was a song that Norman had a massive vision on. But the Temptations were not the first to record the song. Norman Whitfield had created another group so that he could test his sounds and his arrangements. That group was given a deal from Norman through Motown for one album, or at least at the beginning it was one album. The group 
is called Undisputed Truth. Ooh. If you don't know who that is, they accidentally had a hit on what was supposed to be an experimental album. The song hit number five in the top ten. Undisputed Truth, written by Norman Whitfield. Smiling faces sometimes tell lies. I love that. Can you dig it? Okay. All right. So that's, that's the undisputed truth. So Norman had really honestly created this band to start to flex his muscles and listen to the different sounds that he was hearing in his head. And he was doing it with the undisputed truth. So in their second album, Norman had already written Papa Was a Rolling Stone. He didn't quite know where he wanted to go with it, but he was concerned about it because it was dealing with uncomfortable information. And he wanted to know exactly how to go about it. So he brought the song into the studio and arranged it and produced it for the undisputed truth to do. You're not going to realize at the beginning that this is Papa Was a Rolling Stone, but it is the first version that Norman did and didn't like. what it was that he wanted to capture the one thing that he realized is that he needed to take a musical break in between the chunks of information we are given about the story and the story is a worthless father who wasn't worth a fuck and it was disturbing to hear because these kids were talking to their mama trying to get this information so he knew he needed to dell out a little bit of information and then have a musical interlude then give the next chunk of information. The Temptations were the biggest act that he produced, and he approached them about Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Now, with the Temptations, they had tons of money in the production studio, so he knew that he could really spend a lot getting the sound that he was looking for. 
Papa Was a Rolling Stone, The Temptations version, has been regarded as an enduring and influential soul classic. The Temptations, Otis Williams considers the song to be the last real classic that the group recorded. It would be The Temptations' last number one hit, and it would win them their final Grammy Award. Uh, Friction arose when they were in the studio between Norman and The Temptations. Uh, The recording of Popo's Rolling Stone uh, was difficult for a number of reasons. The Temptations did not like the fact that Whitfield's instrumentation had been getting more emphasis than their vocals on the song, (laughs) and they were pissed about it. And they had to press Whitfield to get him to produce ballads for their group. Whitfield forced Edwards to, that's the lead voice you're going to hear, had to force him to re-record his vocal parts dozens of times until he finally got the angered, bitter grumble that he wanted out of the usually fiery-toned Edwards. Whitfield's treatment of the group eventually led to his dismissal as their producer. Legend has it that Edwards was angered, so angered by the song's first verse, which was, it was the 3rd of September, a day I'll always remember, because that was the day my daddy died. He said that was the day his own father was said to have died. Edwards' father actually died on the 3rd of October. Ah. Uh, Popple was a Rolling Stone, went on to hit number one in the U.S. on pop charts and adult charts. It won three Grammy Awards. This song was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame and is considered one of the 500 most influential songs in the history of music. Now, we're going to play a big chunk of this, and I want you to notice what he did. He musically separated the information you were being given about the story of the song. He insisted on this. He was able to bring in all the instrumentation that he wanted because he had the money, and he got fired over fighting with the Temptations, but he got the song that he wanted.
here he's setting the tone for what they're about to hear. It was the 3rd of September That day I'll always remember Yes, I will Cause that was the day That my daddy died I never got a chance to see him Never heard nothing but bad things about him Mama, I'm depending on you Mama just hung her head and said, son, Papa was a rolling stone. into a musical interlude. This never happened in the early set. Nobody was doing this. But Whitfield insisted that be the case. Let your rest. If anything, this song shows you how important an arranger and a producer is. The Temptations had very little to do with how great this song is. It was Norman Whitfield. Now, Norman went on to get fired after, I mean, you wouldn't think, but he did. He got fired. Uh, Motown had seen its best day, the 60s. Into the 70s, other than Diana Ross, they just didn't have a lot. Norman wasn't done. I'm willing to bet you didn't know. No longer with Motown, Norman Whitfield went on to continue writing, arranging, and producing songs. He is responsible for this next one because he was reached by a buddy who was going to make a film. He said, I need something catchy. So Norman got to work. He wrote, he arranged, and he produced a group that he he built himself just to record what he wanted. It became Car Wash. 
by Rose Royce. Norman likes those long intros, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. And for Linda, Funkadelic, Parliament, yes. came out of Norman Whitfield. Next time you're enjoying some Motown or uh, some funk, you think of Norman Whitfield. He's the one that created it and brought it to you. And I, I get the dissension with people like a producer or arranger, especially before they've proven themselves. You're the artist. How do you know that they know what they're, what they're talking about? But then once you record a song like Papa Was a Rolling Stone, that's your reputation. Nobody yeah. questions yeah. you then. So Norman Whitfield... You need to say thank you. I need to say thank you to you because that was pure RG. <laughs> I mean, we all so fucking enjoyed that. The radio god in you came out. The DJ was right there uh, taking us to school. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I, uh, I, I found that story early in the week, and every day I would come down here and rearrange my notes and look up other... I did go down the rabbit's hole with that one because it's such a good story. Every time I was in the kitchen in the afternoons, I heard Papa was a Rolling Stone, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is wrong with him? (laughs) There are other songs. Yeah, but once I latched onto that behind-the-scenes story of Norman Whitfield, I couldn't stop because that really does show you the power of the brain. This guy, get it, This guy, and this is the creative process, this guy was hearing a sound in his head, but nobody was doing it. So he did it. He formed a group, got him signed to Motown, and basically he was using Undisputed Truth to record the stuff he was hearing. And it all came together. Songs like, oh, well, let me just, let me just do it. Hang on. Oh, here we go. Yes. Uh, Hang on. Oh, so good. This is Norman Whitfield. This is one of the songs he heard. He wrote this. He arranged it. He produced it. And he forced the Temptations to do it exactly as he heard it. And it's a masterpiece. Oh. You can feel the thing. It's day through my way. She passes by I say to myself You're such a lucky guy To have a girl like her Is truly a dream come true She 
listen to this. Ah, so fucking good. And you performed on that song. I did. Oh, I did for The Temptations. I got to tell you, when I did the show with The Temptations with um, uh, Adventures of Mark and Brian, and they were doing some of their songs live in that show that we did with them, they were doing really fast versions of, you know, like some bands do, like fast, really fast, just your imagination. And I'm thinking, why are you doing it that way? You've got a masterpiece and you're rushing it. I'm thinking I never said it to them. They would have killed me. But I just never got it. You've got these great pieces of music and you rush it. What well, are you doing? They get tired of doing it. I No, I get it. Hey. If I had one masterpiece of a song, I'm not going to get fucking tired of doing it. That's going to pay the rent. No, that's true. I do have a fun version of Papa Was a Rolling Stone at the very end of the show. If you want to hear it, you can. If not, just turn the thing off. Hey, hold on. I saw you put the papers away. No, we want to hear the couple of best moments here. You'll hear what I choose you to hear. Oh, all right. Uh, December 1st is our last uh, Mark and Linda. And so I found, I pulled a few things and I thought we would uh, venture into a couple of those today now my wife those of you probably don't know this you can't tell from this show she despises me uh, she doesn't like me I annoy her this is okay and, bullshit but, but okay. see it's fine for her to annoy me uh, or, or for me to annoy her but if you step up and cross her if you say something about me Oh, the Capricorn in me comes out, motherfuckers. Let me give you an example. I didn't expect this. I, I didn't. I was trying to. I was doing cool stories in music. I was trying to get it syndicated, and I was doing the show as a podcast to get it going. And we got a comment about cool stories in music from somebody who didn't care for it. And I was just trying to read the story, uh, and then this happened, dude. If you plan to stick around and continue doing your music podcast, you might want to look into taking a writing class. You know what? Noah is fucking pissing me off now. You know what, Noah? You don't listen to any of my podcasts. God damn it. How many podcasts does he have? None. Because he's sitting around watching Fox News all day. That's why. Mark, do you want me to call the community center and see if they're offering any no, adult courses? No, I want you to call Noah, goddammit. Get Noah on the fucking phone. All right. There you go. Let me go back. We're going to read this again? No. Uh, he said, take a look writing class. Your cool stories and music is a great concept, and it has great things in it, but it's so schizophrenic. Then don't listen to it, you fucking asshole! <laughs> <laughs> this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Oh no. No, that 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 you know that 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 certainly turns you a different route. I thought you were going to go. Um, and uh, and and then this one now. Um, you know, we had uh, our three labs that we have were JoJo, Elvis, and Red. Uh, Red and Elvis were with us. JoJo, uh, we had to put her down before we left California. She never had a chance to see this place, and she would have enjoyed that lake. I can promise you. Uh, but we early on, early, very early, we were doing the podcast, and we would have Elvis sit in here with us. 
Uh, and that was fine because Elvis would lay on the floor and sleep or just, you know, didn't, he, he just never really reacted to anything. There was not a concern. We didn't think twice about it. Uh, so Elvis would sit in here with us as we did the podcast. And um, one day, not quite sure what it was, but Elvis decided he didn't like something. You can't uh, necessarily just look at the name of the bowl and, and how many people go to it. It's the teams involved. And I'll give you one example. And Baylor has a fantastic offense and a horrible defense. Wow. So you get that combination, I think it's going to be a game in the you know, the high 30s or 40s that will – you can't uh, necessarily – You can hear Linda trying to quiet it. And how many people go to it, it's the teams involved. And I'll give you one example. UCLA uh, has a, a very good offense, and Baylor has a fantastic offense. I think it's going to be a game in the, you know, the high 30s or 40s that will – for the casual observer just tuning in will be entertained by uh, you know football's final field which men talking manly things yeah elvis joined in with your man talk there yeah what you were hearing elvis you know uh, when i was doing terrestrial local radio it would be unheard of that a person would bring their dog in the control room it's exactly what should have happened you talk about something the audience would be entertained by I remember that like it was yesterday. He was jumped up in that chair right there, was looking at you and just barking at you. If I wasn't wasn't giving Elvis enough attention, then he would do that. He would bark to get me. He wanted me to come over and, and sit with him. So what would happen? I would get up and I would go over and sit by him and he would turn his fucking head the other way. Like I'm annoying him now. That's a fucked up dog for you, but Elvis was a specimen. Yeah, he, he was. was. He was what they call a blockhead. He had that giant lab head. And when Elvis was young, full grown but young, he was so statuesque. He was beautiful. He was gorgeous. Jet black, stocky, took no shit, and adored us. And there was no dog ever that enjoyed the lake life. More than Elvis did. He did. He enjoyed everything about, you know, Red enjoyed it, but Red was afraid of the thunderstorms. So when you live in the South, you have a lot of thunderstorms. Elvis wasn't afraid of anything. Um, but Elvis so enjoyed his life here. He did. I, I was thinking about him the other day. Well, and, and uh, you know, I've said it, Dr. James, the vet that we have, he gave us two extra years. Yep. Elvis was starting to go down and Dr. James did some tests and he found something was wrong. And Dr. James concocted this formula of pills that we're going to give him based on what he saw. And Elvis went from being down to a puppy with these pills. We got two extra years with him. And Linda had to cut them every day. These pills, like an aspirin, you were forthing aspirin. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. But... I was wearing my pharmacist hat. It gave us another two years, and I do have to say, at the end of those two years, when the pills stopped working, we had about two days. Yeah, we knew. It was was done. Yeah. So anyway. God love him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so what? I tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you, let me just, let me give you this. I'll give you a little funny. It's called a cup of tea made with cold water. One day, my grandma was out and my grandpa was in charge of me. I was maybe two, two and a half years old. 
Somebody had given me a little tea set as a gift, and it was one of my favorite toys. Grandpa was in the living room engrossed in the evening news when I brought him a cup of tea, which was just water. After several cups of tea and lots of praise for such yummy tea, my grandma came home. My grandpa made her wait in the living room to watch me bring him a cup of tea because it was just the cutest thing. Grandma waited, and sure enough, here I came down the hall with a cup of tea for grandpa, and she watched him drink it up. Then she said, as only a grandma would, Did it ever occur to you that the only place she can reach to get water is the toilet? Toilet. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that he was doing it because he's an idiot. I love the fact that grandma knew it. That's just too good. Uh, All right. I think that's it. We have this. Like I told you last week, we have a shit ton of birthdays today, so just get into the chicken and pause it. All right, here we go. On 11-16, which was yesterday, um, Pam, Pam, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, Pam S. turned 67. On 11-17, which is today, Hector Gomez is turning 54. On 11-18, Michael Loomley is turning 38. 11-21, Tim Jackson, who was 23 when M&B started, is turning 60. Holy shit. (laughs) What the fuck? I must be 100. Close to it. Also on the 21st, Jeremy Houston is turning 46. 11-22, Link Man is turning 69. And God damn it. Eileen Sugarman, I wrote your name down because I always start singing that song. Oh, Eileen. And I forgot to write down how many years you are, but I'm sorry. Happy birthday. And then on 11-23, Thanksgiving. We got no Thanksgiving shit from you. Uh, Hold on. 11-23, Kelly Cromwell is turning 57. Also, Sandy Edwards is turning 56. Happy birthday, everybody. I got some stuff for... Mark sucks. I I got fucking, you know, I I got people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. I've got to stop in the middle and fucking uh, reroute and re-record and do this and do that. You know, fuck. Hey, listen, we need to get on with it, though, because it's going to take you eight hours to figure out how to get this recorded stuff to a Lenny. I'm not going to do it. And we need to have some lunch. And then I have my dentist appointment. Fucking dentist appointment, swear to God. Uh, so we're done. All right. So next week is Thanksgiving. Uh, basically, I was going to get to, are you sick of Thanksgiving food? We're going to have some of the same stuff ourselves, but we're going to go meatless. Yeah, I, we are. We're just going to go with the cranberry sauce and tur- the potato salad. Turkey and the, blows. And the deviled eggs and the mashed potatoes. I mean, honestly, Turkey. Every- Everything salty we can think of, we're yeah. going to be fucking eating. But we will have a show next yeah. Friday. Yep.
Uh, so next week will be the penultimate. Oh, Jesus. Mother penultimate Christ. Me- Look at you using the big fucking words. Brian learned a new word, and it was that one, and he was so proud of himself. It means the one before the last, oh. the penultimate show. Got a little uh, a fun mashup for you concerning Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Again, we will be here next Friday for the penultimate show. And then December 1st, the last Mark and Linda. God damn it. No Thanksgiving. No get out of the pool. Shit, Mark. I'll get to it next week. Bye, if y'all. I'm in the motherfucking mood. <laughs> Bye, y'all.